0: What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Trade Talk is back. In this episode, I have a mind in trading that I really, really respect. The markets have been going kind of crazy. You see, the 10-year treasury is still running up, potentially even to 2%. And I have these conversations with my good friends where we exchange great ideas, but I did not even think of this idea, on today's episode, I have a special guest, Mr. Charlie Meemden. And Charlie it really hit me to an idea that I never would have even thought of. And it's what's in play in China. I always consider myself in the cutting edge of a trade and I love a complicated trade because there's always mismatched value there. But before I go too far into things, I first want to make sure everyone is very pleased and happy with our content, and most of all, that they understand it. So this episode, you won't hear a lot of me, because this isn't my original idea. I have Charlie here. So, Charlie, how are you?
1: Hi. Hey, thanks for having me great to be on. Great to be on the show. All the way from New uh, Zealand, man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so I'm Charlie Meaden, the CEO and co-founder of GemBot.ai, um, a futuristic Berkshire Hathaway built on machine learning, AI, and human intelligence, if I was to sum our company up, and that's what we're building for the future. Um, and I'm here to talk about my thesis around China, um, a place full of growth and value.
0: That. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. China, a place full of growth and value? There's a lot of people who would take that very offensively, especially after coming out of Make America Great Again and terrorist, man. What are you talking about here, man? What are you talking about?
1: Well, that's that's been an opportunity that we've been seeing unfold, you know, and, and I think that strategically, I think for the U.S. it was potentially the right thing to do. Uh, but I don't see it persisting through the new regime uh, politically, for one. Uh, especially not being nearly as harsh as it was through the Trump administration. Um, but my thesis really kind of is uh, completely disconnected from the political landscape in America. Um, so my thesis uh, pretty much looks everywhere else apart from that. Um, especially, And that is great considering now that we've got Biden in, uh, that part of the puzzle will also be a little bit easier to navigate.
0: Wow. Man. I see, I don't think people can get out of the politics involved in our markets. Uh, They're so used to it. We're so used to the volatility from the Trump administration that having an idea that doesn't fall into that or immediately into technology, I don't think a lot of people can grasp it. So, you know, you've really got to break this down. I, I get where you're saying China is a value play or excuse me, China is a growth play. My apologies. But, you know, you got to elaborate here. I don't even think most people know when they're even buying a Chinese stock.
1: Right. Yeah. So this is a part of the price mismatch, which we will end up at at the end. Uh, But I'm going to take it right back to the beginning where my thesis was seeded. And that was in 2018 when I read the book by Kai-Fu Lee, uh, AI Superpowers. Uh, The author is Kai-Fu Lee. And... That started uh, my journey through this rabbit hole. And it's eventuated now in twenty end of 2020. I mean, I started buying into China mid-2020. Uh, and now I'm going to spend this year buying in two um, and getting super exposed to the uh, area. And, um, and it was seeded by this book in 2018. And I didn't really think of it as an obvious play for the fund um for our funds so uh yeah but now it's clear and it's um it starts from that book um so yeah i i can kind of go on from there i've got a bunch of points that kind of took me on the journey if you're if you're happy i can kind of dive into that no i need you
0: i need you to dive into it because for one i'm sure most of our listeners have not heard of that book which again that's why i say you're a cutting-edge mind uh that i've come across and then 2 Getting that book and applying it to a 2021 marketplace, you know, a book you read mm-hmm. a few years ago to a 2021 marketplace, and you, you, you've got uh, an ability of vision, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, please.
1: So, so the book starts off um, explaining the hyper-competitive um, educational and entrepreneurship uh, ecosystem in China. And the work ethic that's associated with those in the region that want to uh, be successful, and that is through a capitalist lens, because by being successful and providing value, they will have uh, success. Um, and you know there is also a pricing mismatch potentially between the wages of the best minds in the two countries, the U.S. and China. Um, but I really want to I really want to really focus on <laughs> my kid just came in. Uh, I really want to focus on um, the uh, educational piece and the entrepreneurship ecosystem and how competitive that is. Uh, so they are just learning and there is such competition between peers in China. Uh, to be successful uh, and wealthy, uh, is created a, a, um, uh, a kind of this pot of like, just talent bubbling up and getting stronger and stronger and stronger and taking on more and more technology. Um, and that obviously ultimately creates growing technology companies and startups because they graduate, they learn, uh, on the cutting edge of technology, and then they apply that to business problems. Mm-hmm. I get that. And and an obvious uh, observation um, of this is that they are able to build companies from a very early stage that are vertically integrated. So unlike US startups that will take the minimal amount of responsibility possible, think Uber, think DoorDash, where... You know, they're taking um, they're building an algorithm and they're matching uh, delivery drivers or Uber drivers with uh, users mm-hmm. and then individuals take the rest of that. Now, if you look at a Chinese competitor of DoorDash in, um, yeah, in China, you will see that they will take responsibility of more of the supply chain. And what does that ultimately mean? That ultimately means that they're more resource efficient, which gives them better margins on the bottom line. Okay. Yes. So that will, that leads me into, okay, what does that mean? Well, one, it means that companies are growing much, much faster. And two, that means that they're ultimately going to be more profitable. Great. So where is their value in China? Well, let's look at the online dating space and let's compare Bumble and Momo. So Bumble is a company that has just IPO'd. They're worth about 8.5 billion. and they're doing about half a billion in revenue a year versus Momo, a company that is doing $1.6 billion a year and highly profitable. Um, but they're only worth 3.5 billion.
0: I'm catching you on that.
1: Now, now when how do they're growing fast, they have huge revenues, but also they're, they're really efficient. They're, Profit margin is ultimately fifteen point five six percent versus Bumble's negative nineteen point six percent. So it's it's value and it's growth. Mm. And it's half the value of comparable companies that are operating in the US. That is a stark contrast, I get
0: it. I do see that there.
1: so So then we move on to the obvious elephant in the room, which is the government. Well, the government will take over a company and uh, punish the leaders if they step out of the Chinese regime. Uh, A recent example. (laughs) Yeah, a recent example, Alibaba, Jack Ma. Um, But then we go, okay, well, fine. Yeah, it can be a negative. But that's that's also, he's back, right? So that's also a, a... Temporary problem that is perceived as a permanent problem. He came back. Two, if you look at it from the other lens, NEO trading under $2, completely out of money, not delivering many cars, saved by the Chinese government, and ultimately allowed their stock pi- price to gain 1,110% over the last year, which was enabled by the liquidity that the government essentially gave them um and then u.s investors have actually bid the price up
0: yeah i mean the same fear
1: that some
0: of these u.s investors would have with government manipulation of pricing is the same uh gift that they received in how many shares of neo that they own P- most people own tesla and own neo at the same time you, I mean, you have a valid point yep.
1: Awesome, so um, it can be a, it can hurt you, but it can massively help you to be a part of that governmental infrastructure. You gotta remember as well, they're able to take on more of the responsibility and have a more efficient uh, kind of ability to allocate resource because there's a government infrastructure that they can tap into. Um, And then, um, which moves me on to, well, given the competitive nature, you could potentially argue that China is more capitalistic than the U.S. or EU right oh, now. Oh man, now
0: now you're saying incendiary comments, and you have you have to back that up. How do you say so? Uh,
1: given given the fact that it seems like there's potentially been uh, a, a more obvious, and it, you know, it may be unjust, but there is an ob- a more obvious political and cultural divide in these regions, um, coupled by the fact that. The amount of billionaires that China is minting versus the U.S. is astonishing. We're talking about in 2020, 257 new Chinese billionaires versus seven in the U.S. What? 36.7 times the amount of billionaires created in 2020 alone. In, In the
0: biggest bull market
1: we've ever had.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well because it's not about that you know, the distribution of wealth is far more skewed here.
0: And that and that's a that's a, something
1: that And that's evidence there. Yeah, that's, something that's, that, evidence there, there, there. that's what I
0: was trying to say. That's that's evidence right there as opposed to what most people think, where they're like, Oh, this is the perfect place to mi- to mint your millions and billions. It happens not to be right now, and there's it's proof positive in the numbers. Oh please
1: that's continue. Right. So Then, okay, and that's, you know, you can either kind of take that point. You know, this is my perspective on it. So, you know, um, I'm opinionated on it, but, you know, this is what I believe. This is my analysis of what I see. Obviously, I have incomplete information like everyone else. Um, But just moving on from that point. Yes, okay, we can look into some of the um, allegations of fraud that are coming up. Um, you I know, mean, there's a we're big issue about on the seven... Chinese
0: ADR side for regulation. So, yeah, yeah. What, you got
1: to. A- a- absolutely, there is. And that, that is that's, a, that's an obvious risk that is going to that kind of allows for this mispricing. Right. So um, that's your edge. Like of the mm. of the of the 217 companies that trade on the U.S. Um, public equities, 156 of them are at risk and under investigation. That's 72%. (laughs) Are we saying that 72% of Chinese companies are completely fraud, like are what, two, one, two standard deviations away from the average US company operating? Like 72%. That is absolutely absurd. And yes, there are some fraudulent opportunities, but that's down to an investor's ability to work out whether the company's creating value or not right so um any fraud is an opportunity to to go and short a company i can pick out a number of what look to be highly overpriced um kind of nothingness that's operating in the u.s right now. oh i mean from the u.s
0: is a perfect example with its fraudulent activity um right from the founder uh so just like there's a luck in in the chinese market there's a nicola here they still trade
1: that's right So, and that moves me on to my final point where I believe that it's created such a great opportunity given everything we've talked about previous is the negative bias against Chinese companies. That exact point that you just mentioned has created an obvious price mismatch, which we will exploit and that's it. And you know, is it a five-year thing? Maybe not, but is it a 2021, 2022 thing? Absolutely.
0: You know, what I love about your thesis is, and and this is where I back you up, and I I very much agree with it, is that the Chinese uh, economy has taken off immediately after, you know, they got their virus numbers in check. They're not even raising their, um, sorry, they're not even cutting their prime rate on lending. Instead, they're making it easier to borrow in china uh, they're keeping the rates at about a, a three and a quarter three and a half um, while still minting new millionaires with the markets at all-time highs it's almost like a, 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 a bizarro version of what the superpowers used to be right like it would be like the, the u.s has all the strength has all the growth but in our situation we have markets at highs unemployment at highs as well as rates at rock well, bottom <laughs>
1: okay, so the interesting thing to look at there is, uh, and we discussed this before, is with the U.S., you have traditional government and financial system, i.e. banks and the Fed, fighting against big tech, um, where you both are trying to come superior and kind of take the empire. Is it going to be big tech, cryptocurrency, decentralization? Um, that take over or is, you know, can the um, traditional government um, and financial institution maintain power uh, in the US? Whereas you've got the contrast with uh, China being, um, you have that bundled up into one and the government's basically picking up tech and trying to essentially acquire it and make it overpowered. Um, So, you know there's there's less cohesiveness in the u.s right now um and it's very it apparent right,
0: you know, right from the administration down to you know uh, we're just going to say for tech's sake elon musk you have the administration and you have musk saying he pretty much flipping on the bird <laughs>
1: yeah them- suck suck elon's what was it <laughs> so you know like there it is um basically on a uh, you know, on Twitter, streamed live, um, the kind of tit for tat that that is um, big tech versus um, the kind of the traditional federal governmental and financial system in the U.S. Like, colliding. I, I, I love that. And,
0: and like I was saying before, with the growth, I, and I, it was my fault for leaving this part out, but I was just saying that the extreme competitive competitiveness of China and um, their president is to beat the u.s and beat these other nations at growth and that is what makes me have strong conviction in what you're saying that's why i was like taken aback i had to have you on uh the podcast after you explained your thesis to me because i'm willing to put my chips on the table for that for one to two years i'm pretty sure they're going to want to beat the brakes off of the rest of the world um and maybe they only start Looking at things again when their when their dollar gets a little too strong,
1: <laughs> that's right. And you got to bear in mind, right, that um they 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 were two months ahead of the rest of the world on the pandemic, mm-hmm. and they have the infrastructure. That's why New Zealand did so well in the pandemic. T- two reasons: okay, we're no one comes to New Zealand because it's in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about like lots of people passing through. Um, something that london and the uk have had to deal with of course um and two they have a very strong very firm government that had the infrastructure in place to do the correct track and trace like new zealand apart from new zealand's government didn't force it upon uh the the people we just all adopted it right wow so it's not about hey you know um you know, we can't have this working. It's like it's a trust thing. It's why it's why blockchain is also uh, getting popular because there's a lack of trust. But ultimately, if you trust a brand, you don't need blockchain because your your trust uh, you trusting them is the verification that you need, right? Yes. So, um, you know, they they were set up to do well in the pandemic and respond well. Uh, just like New Zealand, given its unique characteristics, we're also able to. Um, uh battle the pandemic uh effectively and quickly
0: oh man i, I you know I, I really love the way you've dissected this whole thing it gives me a very very clear understanding uh, i am sure our listeners are going to understand this um hopefully a lot of them can uh can kind of follow your words and do some research but what are the names that you like in this particular space Um, you know, you don't have to give us entry points or anything like that, but let us understand what we should be looking at.
1: Yeah. So, um, at, at this stage, just to give just three tickers of what I like, or or let's, let's say, yeah, let's say four tickers that I like, uh, one being Momo, which is the example I use in the pod just above. Um, we've got D O Y U. We have F-U-T-U ticker and finally API. Those are some examples of some Chinese uh, based companies that you can um, take a look at and do some research and work out whether you think that they're attractive. Uh, But those are some of the companies that we're looking at um, based on obviously uh, our systems as well. Uh, So a lot of what we do is systematic, so, You've got to bear that in mind. Um, And the connection of China to our systematic approach is very obvious internally. Um, So we are spreading wider than those names, but those are just uh, for the listener to have a little look at the the kind of space.
0: You know, the other thing that um, people should be also aware of is that there are a lot of Chinese ADRs out there, Um, somewhere around 217. So it's very imperative that you understand that uh, there are only particular growth ones uh, that uh, Charlie is talking about. Um, Obviously, we couldn't give you all of them on the episode, but we're more so just exposing you to what to be looking out for. Everyone is able to do their own research. Um, But I like where he's coming from, and I think he is spot on. Uh, A lot of these names, as I did some back testing, up over 200%, uh, sometimes in a week let's forget about a month and a week up over 200 percent um and doing that more than one time over the span of a month so charlie i really appreciate you for coming on trade talk you have been a mind that i uh really respect man and i i really look forward to learning more about Gembot and you know getting associated
1: yeah thanks for having me man always uh always have to come on and uh, talk about Talk about the markets. Love it. Thanks for taking the time.
0: No problem, man. So, ladies and gentlemen,
1: until next time, this is Trade Talk. Everyone be
0: safe out there. And for those who don't know, March 2nd, I turned 37 years old. So, thank you for the birthday wishes well in advance, as most people will be wishing me happy birthday. Thank you all. Till next time, Trade Talk, LA Aco out.